You know, I've been doing these uh, series on from darkness to light. And, uh, and so every week it's been truly uh, enlightening me because it's been my own personal journey as I've been going through this series uh, from darkness to light. I love that verse that says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. And this morning, we're going to be looking at thorns, not rose bushes. My secret frustration. Thorns, not rose bushes. My secret frustration. If you would please turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. A young couple in our church had faced years of personal and physical difficulties with trying to become pregnant, trying to be with child. They had sought professional counsel, even spiritual counsel, and tried very hard to become pregnant, and God didn't allow her to become pregnant. When you would see this couple or meet this couple, you would think, wow, what a wonderful, beautiful, and successful couple. But what you couldn't see was the secret frustration. That one thing that couldn't or that she couldn't understand until God gave them our precious, and I call him my little dude, Brody Mack. And so we are blessed today to have him a part of our lives and a part of Butch and Jess's life. You see, life is full of seeming contradictions like this that try to keep us in the darkness. You're helping other people get well, but you don't feel well. Your workers or your co-workers are getting promoted. And though you're working just as hard, producing just as much. Nobody notices you. You see, all of us have secret frustrations, things that we know God could change. We know he could open the door. Or he could even remove the temptation. Or he could give us the baby we're dreaming about. But it's not happening. And yet it's easy for all of us to get stuck in the why questions. Why me? Why this situation? Why did this happen in my life? We realize that our God is sovereign. We realize that he is a sovereign God. We're not going to understand why everything happens or doesn't happen. There are just some things that God doesn't remove. There are some situations that he waits a long time to change. You have to trust that he knows what's best for you. And you see, if you keep the right attitude... All of those frustrating situations that are not changing and afflictions that he's not removing won't work against you, but instead will work for you. Don't let the contradictions of life cause you to get sour and give up on your dreams. If you will just put your faith and trust in God, he will give you double for your... Amen. You heard the message last week. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you that this morning we can see in your scriptures your healing power, your touch. And yet, Lord, we can be challenged just in our own walk. When we feel like things aren't going our way, Lord, we we realize that you're still in control. But yet, Father, I know that in my own life, when I want things to go my way, it could be disastrous. But I pray that even today that there will be clarity You'll help me to be able to say what needs to be said and that your children will understand the truth of your word. And so, Father, enlighten all of us, encourage us, help us to walk in light, for you are light. And, Lord, we love you. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But if you're taking notes, point number one, his grace, his sufficiency, his grace our sufficiency. Let's read together. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. We're now in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 12. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say to the truth, but now I forbear. Lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a what? A thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan buffeted me. The messenger of Satan beat me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord, how many times? Thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, will I rather glory in my weaknesses, than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. If you will notice here in this passage, the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote half the books of the New Testament, talked about these secret frustrations. He was highly educated and came from an influential family. And yet God used Paul in a great way. But as effective as Paul was, he had secret frustrations. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Many have debated whether it was a physical condition such as illnesses or emotional issue, the persecution he often endured, or, or the people that were constantly coming against him. Whatever the thorn was, whatever was bothering him, notice in verse 8, Paul prayed three times for God to remove it, and yet... He didn't. He even used the word in some translations called he implored for God to take it away. That means Paul gave it his best argument. Pleading and begging with God and giving reasons why he needs healing for all the praying that he has done for others. God never removed the thorn. And I really believe that Paul had favor with God. Amazing to think, though, isn't it? That he implored, that he begged Three times and said, God, please just remove, whether it was afflictions, persecution, whatever it was, he was pleading and begging and asking God to just remove the pain that was in his life. And this morning, what we're going to notice is that even though you have a thorn in the flesh, even though there might be some pain and suffering, and you often ask yourself, why is it that this has never gone away? Why is it that hardship is still here, or financial hardship, or physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, whatever you feel is that thorn in your flesh, you're wondering, why is it just, it's always there, it's an irritation. My old pastor, Pastor Ron, said to me one time, I said, man, that's such a thorn in the flesh. He goes, listen, Todd, be happy it's just a thorn in the flesh. It could be the whole pricker bush. And I stopped. And I thought about it for a moment. I thought, isn't it amazing? Now, this week, I'm going to have a little pity party for myself. I was out and I was, I was cleaning. I shared this with our facts class this morning, but I got a boo-boo on my finger. And I will tell you, as I was shouting and screaming and throwing a fit like a little baby, after it chunk, you know, took a chunk of my skin off from that window sash that the, the part on the outside decided to pop away, pinched my finger in there. As I pulled it out, it just so gracefully just pulled the skin right with it, and it was wonderful. And, uh, but I have to say that if that was the pain that I had to endure, just a little bit of pain, that's okay. But one thing I realized that even in this little bit of pain, it's like a thorn in the flesh. If you step on something that's in your foot, oh, it will always remind you that there is pain. That is there. You won't get away from that pain. It will always be there. 
And so the same with this. I even noticed this morning as I, you know, uh, victoriously took off my wrapping, called a Band-Aid. I took it off. I said, okay, today's your first day to be free. And today's my first day that I felt better because this thing just bled and bled and bled. As my wife said, Todd, it's okay. You didn't lose your finger. I felt like I did, but I didn't. But I'll I'll show you something. Just like a thorn in the flesh, my little boo-boo, I have to say they, my little boo-boo, when I put my hand in my pocket a little bit ago, or when I moved a certain way, I'm like, ow. That's always a reminder to each and every one of us what God is doing or what he's about to do. So I noticed here, through his frustrations, he writes 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. And here comes a word from the Lord that says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Wow. So Paul knew that he was going through these trials and tribulations, and he knew this Christian life wasn't going to be easy, that many of us face all the time. It's never easy. But he said, Wait a minute. Your grace. It's all sufficient for me. And it's in that weak moment, in that time that I'll become strong, that you'll give me power. In those dark moments of my life, I'll become strong. Is there something you've implored God to change, perhaps a situation in your health? Maybe your finances. Maybe in a relationship or your relationships that you've had with other people. You've asked again and again, but nothing's improved. And listen, I'm not asking you to give up and settle there in that dark place. What I'm saying is that if God is not removing it or changing it, don't let it rob you of your joy. Don't let it get you down. My joy was robbed this past Tuesday When I got a boo-boo. I'm back to that boo-boo again. And I just realized last night when I was studying. That God does things for all of us to cry out to him. And I know many of you have had a journey. And it's not been easy. I know that your dark place has not been a place that you even want to even revisit. But if you will just take. Moments in your life and say, you know what, God, I understand the pain and suffering that I'm going through. But I know this shall never leave me nor forsake me. You're with me. And I know this hardship might just be momentary. It might last the rest of my life. And every day that I put antibiotic on my boo-boo, I would look every day, two, three times a day, underneath that band-aid to see if there was healing taking place why is it that we don't see healing taking place in our lives and every day we go back and we revisit our boo-boos those dark places and yet paul was speaking and crying out to god and god said to him hold on just a minute my child oh my grace is sufficient for you and you see If you stayed strong all the time, you'd never cry out to me. Just know this, that you're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in your pain. And today, today might just be that day of victory in your life. Take off that wrapping. Step out in faith. Look at that boo-boo. It might still be there. That scar might still be there. It might still be a reminder. But God is always working on your behalf and for your benefit. God has given you the grace to be there. Believe through prayer and have the attitude that you're not going to let this secret frustration, your thorn in the flesh, so to speak, frustrate you anymore. And I know we all deal with our secret frustrations that we are ashamed of and we don't want to tell anybody about it because of what we're going through. Yes, I shared about my boo-boo, but I will tell you this because it's just a correlation, an illustration to say many of us deal with So many hurts and pains in our life that we just can't get over. I told my wife last night as I'm going through the study, I said, you know, for many pastors, it's very difficult for us to say we're going to preach on a message because every week I'm trying to give perspective 
from darkness to light and the journey that God has only taken me on. I can't speak for others, but I appreciate your feedback when you've said to me, I got something to tell you. Thank you for that message. It was meant for me. And I'm glad that in those secret frustrations or in those dark places of your life that many of you learn the illustration, you know, that we're not buried like a seed. We're planted. And it's through that growth that we often bloom. And then after the bloom, it produces fruit and we grow. Just much like the the story of the caterpillar. Yes, he didn't want to have to end up in the cocoon, but he knew that there was a process of growth. In order for him to fly that caterpillar, he had to be put in a cocoon in order to, to, to be incubated and in order to grow and many of us don't realize that sometimes in those dark moments of our life that growth is taking place isn't that wonderful i mean what hope we have in christ and i want all of you just to say and you don't have to repeat after me but god i know your grace is sufficient for me and i have the power to be stronger in my moments of weakness and i believe that you're working all things out for my good right here and right now. And because of that, today, Father God, I honor you. Remember that no matter your circumstance, and no matter what frustrates you, that you will tap into the grace that God so freely offers each and every one of us. So here's the key. Don't focus on the frustration. Paul could have gone around thinking, God, why haven't you removed this thorn? If Paul would have gotten stuck in the whys of life, he would have never fulfilled what God had planned for his life. You see, we do the same thing. When we keep asking why God hasn't changed our child, why God hasn't changed our current situation, or caused our business to to grow, or maybe even changed our career. You see, faith is trusting God when life doesn't seem to make sense. Faith is trusting God when life doesn't seem to make sense. So please remember, his ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is the potter, and we are the clay. If it's supposed to be removed... He'll remove it. If not, dig your heels in and fight the good fight of the faith. For it says in his word, as he said to Paul, for my grace is sufficient for each and every person. Point number two. Turn with me, if you would, please, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 30. Carry on and carry it. Point two, carry on and carry it. Carry your bed. Well, that's kind of difficult, preacher. I know, but we're going to look at a different correlation here at, at this place called Bethesda. It's a pool. Things take place. Miracles take place. And I want you to see the correlation in Scripture. And, and I love this text, and I could just keep reading and reading and reading, but I won't, we won't do that today. But I want to shine a spotlight on this story and, then, and make it applicable to our life of what we're going through from the thorns in our life and the frustrations in our life and and the hardships of our life. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up into Jerusalem. Now, there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, which means house of mercy, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Thirty-eight years this man suffered with his infirmity, his affliction. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that place... He said unto him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be whole? The impotent man answered, the crippled, the paralyzed man answered him, sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, rise up, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. 
The Jews, therefore, said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed because you can't, you can't do works on the Sabbath. So that was Jewish law. He answered them in verse 11, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Listen, sir, take up your bed and walk. Then he then asked they him, What man is that which said unto you, Take up your bed and walk? And he that was healed was not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away. A multitude being in that place, let me break that down in simple terms, whist, then he like whist away. He walked away because there was a large crowd, so he got away from that crowd. And so really he didn't understand. He knew that it was Jesus, but he knew that you know people have talked about him. But this was the man who actually said, get up, take your bed, and walk. And so he wasn't able to give a clear um, picture of who Jesus was, but, but that's what they're trying to, to show here um, in here. In verse 13, and he that was healed was not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, my, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And I, and I love this text here. Just listen to the words of Jesus in verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Listen, listen, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself but but what he sees the father do. For what things soever he does, these also doeth the son likewise. For the father loveth the son and showed himself all things that himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that he may marvel. For as the father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. For the father judges no man that hath committed all judgment unto the son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believes on him, he that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Isn't that a great salvation message right there? Those that listen to my message will pass from death Unto life. See, the salvation story is right there. You will have everlasting life when you come unto the Son of God. Verse 25, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him Authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father, which hath sent me. Here Jesus heals a man who had been crippled for 38 years. He told him to get up, get off the ground, take your bed, and walk. Get up, take your bed, and walk. It's significant that he told him to take what? His mat with him. He could have said, just get up and be on your way. After all, the man didn't need his bed anymore. But Jesus was saying in this passage, now watch closely this correlation. And I'm going to show you something that I didn't see before. The thing that held you back, that thing that kept you for years for being your best, I want you to take that with you as a reminder of what I've done in your life. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Even though the man had his bed, it was a constant reminder of what God was doing in his life. You see, your bed 
your burden, your difficulties right now are a limitation to slow you down. It's a testimony of what God has done and is continuing to do in your life. Your bed is not a liability. Your burden is not a liability. Your thorn is not a liability. The negativity that comes your way is not a liability, but it's an asset. Every time you see it, it reminds all of us to give God praise. Said to a man the other day, wow, that's an awesome God story. His one eyebrow looked up. He's like, God story? I always love when, when, when you're talking to people and they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and they raise that one eyebrow and they, they ask questions like, what are you talking about? Well, what God did in your life. And I loved that after I had prayed with this gentleman, in his text to me this week, said, we got what you prayed for, the emoji hands. I'm like, okay, he's getting it. He's really getting it. He's starting to see that God answers prayer. And see, that's what took place there even at Bethesda. You see, I'm going to go back to, to my youth. You know, I thought that as a teen that my peers rejected me would stop after I won the affection of them and gained their respect. Who would have thought that today in the ministry that those same issues are arising in my life? Feelings of insecurity. Feelings of intimidation. Feelings of not just feeling like I'm qualified. Feeling unqualified. Yet today in my walk with Christ, I feel as if I have grown And I'm more confident than before. And yet I have learned that people come and people go. Love you one day, dislike you the next. But yet I go back to my youth and I think, you know, the persecution of proclaiming the gospel, the persecution of the, you know, the the teachers going up against me, the persecution of even in my adult life looking, going, you know what, I get it until one day... Even though in my school system, I realized, and and I know that for some of you, my kids, they might think I'm really old now, but, uh, but in reality, I knew something that as soon as I was out of school, I was free. I said, I'm free from the persecution. I'm free from the hardship. I'm free from it all. Graduated and out of school, and those feelings are gone. But you see, they weren't. Because you will always have the bed that goes with you. There isn't a time that I don't get up ready to preach that my stomach goes, and you have, a, you know, butterflies. Am I going to be able to communicate exactly what God put on my heart to share with each one of you? Is it going to be communicated the right way? And yet, when my nerves start taking over is when God comes up and he whispers in my ear, Who are you dependent on? See, your dependency shouldn't be on you, Todd. It should be on me. So today, I ask each and every one of you, even though you have a mat that you'll have to carry with you the rest of your life, and even though Jesus has been a part of your life, and you've seen him do some great mighty works in your life, or maybe you haven't, don't give up. Because here's what he's done for you. He said, listen, grab your mat, get up, and run. Run from with you, and I'll never leave you. Maybe for some of you, you may still feel tempted in the same area. The weaknesses, the limitation may not totally go away, but the reason God didn't remove the bed was that he wanted to slow you down or give you an excuse to fall back. You see, that wasn't the case. But rather that he wanted to be a reminder of where you came from. You see, your bed isn't there to discourage you, but to inspire you. Your burden, your your thorn in the flesh wasn't there to discourage you. It was there to inspire you. I love when people have stories that they can share of 
This was the darkest time of my life. This was the loneliest time of my life. This was difficult for me. And yet God came in. He ushered himself in. And now you have a story to share with others. See, it was never about the 38-year-old at Bethesda. It was about Jesus Christ. And what that young man was going to do is he told a story that would change multitudes. See, Jesus, he didn't want the young man to really know who he was. He wanted the young man to know who his father was. That's his story. My feelings won't ever go away. My sense of inadequacy will not go away. I feel them sometimes. I feel a sense of pressure. What are they going to say? How are they going to criticize me? What am I going to do? But I want all of you to know that just this year, I feel like I'm no longer intimidated by them. Rather, they are just a reminder that my life is now more dependent on God than it ever was. The reason God doesn't remove the bed altogether in your life, it's because you think you have it all figured out and you don't need God any longer. You may end up right back in the place you started. But listen, church, if you will see your weaknesses, your temptation as a reminder to ask God for his help and to thank him for what he's done, then you can move forward no matter what's coming against you. Because God is with you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. So pick up your bed, walk, and carry on. Pick up your bed, walk in faith, and carry on. Point number three of my last point. Walk in peace. Walk in peace. In the Old Testament, God told Moses to get, go tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. You see, Moses was a very, very insecure man. After 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep, he didn't feel qualified. And yet God spoke to this man who had a speech impediment. You know, growing up, I had a speech impediment. And some of you have heard the story. And it was very difficult. Who would ever think that I would be standing up here today, even though I love Mrs. Balkley's class? It was so much fun for me because I got to pr pronounce all the all word, words and I had to understand what awe meant. So she would say, take your tongue. You get it? It's the letter R. Now, how serious would it be today if I said, take up your bed and carry on? It's just a thought. And yet, I went through that class. My sister went through that class. One th the reason why God made us twins was, see, you have to be somewhat competitive. So I was like, you know, even though I'm in this class to learn the letter R, I'm going to beat my sister Twacy in the letter R. That's what I'm going to do. And only God saw the future. And he was able to give us a teacher that taught us how to say the letter R. So here Moses was. He was in the wilderness, came, up, came on the burning bush, and God starts to speak to him. And here's what he says. Here's what I want you to do. You may have a thorn in the flesh, but I'm going to tell you what I need you to do. Let my people go. So as Moses is wondering about this whole thing, he's going back and forth, and so as he's questioning his inadequacies and feeling somewhat insecure and intimidated, he just all of a sudden says, um, okay, God, we need to talk. Okay, I'm kind of paraphrasing this, okay? Okay, God, we need to talk here. What do you mean? I'm not going up against Pharaoh. Why would I ever go up against that giant? It's impossible. And God says, listen, Moses, you have forgotten who I am. Let me give you a reminder of who I am. You see that staff that's in your hand? Throw it down on the ground. He throws it down. And he goes, ah! And he jumped. That wake you up, Victoria? Okay. And all of a sudden, the staff becomes what? A snake. And so... He's like, all right, go ahead and pick it up. I really knew then right then, that's where the term came, you know, be careful when you go to those churches if they handle snakes, just saying. And uh, we don't handle snakes here. 
So anyway, I tells Moses, pick it back up. He turns it back into his rod or his staff. And Moses is like, but God, you know I can't do this. It's just so difficult. And all of a sudden, he says, wait a minute. Why are you lacking in your faith? Go ahead, take your hand, stick it in your coat pocket. So he sticks it and he pulls it out, and it's white as snow. He's got leprosy on it. I'm sure he screamed like he did at the same time with the snake. Then all of a sudden he goes, put it back in there, and it's right back to its original form. And yet Moses is deliberating. He's like, but God, but God, you know I can't do this in my own strength. You know I can't walk. I mean, this is nerve-wracking. I can't do it. Better, 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 yet, 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 yet. I, 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 do it. He said to him, why are you making excuses because of your speech impediment? I didn't ask you to go talk to Pharaoh. Moses had an imperfection in his speech. Why is it? Hold on a minute, church. We have so, so many miracles that take place, evidence of God doing a work in our life and At the very end of all of our God stories, at the very end of all that God is doing in and through our life, we will stop and then question him when he says, go, go do it. But I can't talk. Oh, that's right. Did you forget that I'm God? And that's what started taking place with Moses. And so God raises up Aaron and he was able to. To let the people go. You see, what Moses was doing, he couldn't walk in peace. He couldn't be all that he thought he could be because, you see, he had difficulties. And he kept looking at himself and his own inadequacies, and he couldn't realize just, okay, I can do this through Christ. That's what's limiting us today in this world on this earth. We think we've arrived. And God started speaking to Moses. And even after all those question marks, yet after all that evidence, God started to move. You see, Moses was still concerned over how to communicate to Pharaoh. But wouldn't you think that God just proved to Moses that his hand was on him, that there was nothing to be concerned with or about? Well, you see, God could have removed his stuttering, but he didn't. And God was saying to Moses what he said to Paul. Listen, Moses, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. If I needed to remove it for you to fulfill your mission, I would have removed it, but I didn't. So pick up your tongue and go. That wasn't what I said in there. Like pick up your mat. I just put tongue in there. So I'm saying to you, church, today, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're going through. But I know this, that God loves you. He gave his son for you so that you could have life. And all the things that make you insecure, all the feelings of inadequacies, all the things of, of I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Just as David said when he slew Goliath, I can do it, I can do it, I can, I can. And he did. So today, church, are you walking in peace? Are you saying, I know I have this physical problem. There is no way I can pray in front of the church. There is no way I can serve. God, you've got to use somebody else. Well, then why did God give you that gifting? And yet we have to stop and say, God, I'm not going to look at my past. I'm going to walk in the present so you'll bless me in the future. And that's what God wants to do in each and every one of us. If you'll just claim that in your life. And as I close... I started off today with a story of a couple where they felt like there was no hope in their life, where they felt like, you know what, I can't do this. This this is difficult. My journey is so emotional. One, maybe 
as they're going to say in, 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 at the ladies' conference, I'm not enough. I wasn't enough. But God has a plan for each and every one of us. If you'll just open up your heart, open up your arms, open up your mind, let God use you. Let's not play church. Let's be the church. Let's be a community that reaches people. And they understand that, see, the church isn't full of sold-out saints. The church is full of separated sinners. So welcome to our mission. It's not an impossible mission. It's possible. I'm going to have Jess, if she'll please come and just share a few minutes of, of her journey, of her dark place and what God took her and Butch through. I, I called and asked her if she would do this for me, and, and I appreciate it. So listen closely as God took her through a journey. And yet, for many of you that are in here, if you think, well, why hasn't God done this for me? They've had the great privilege and opportunity to adopt a child. And we all love our little Brody Mac. And uh, do we have some pictures to share? Praise the Lord. Watch, watch closely. You didn't know this. And listen closely. Of a wonderful, beautiful story. But yet a story of how God's grace was all sufficient for Jess and Butch. Well, I'm really good at talking, but I'm not so good at speaking. <laughs> so... Um, my husband, Butch, and I had always dreamed of having kids. Um, in fact, when I was a little girl, when you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, my answer was always mommy. Um, three months after we were married, I was diagnosed with a condition that would prove to be a challenge when starting to grow our family. We spent five years and $65,000 utilizing modern medicine, and month after month, we not only received a negative pregnancy result, but they added another negative diagnosis. The closest we ever got was a pregnancy that resulted in a miscarriage at three weeks. Physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually, we were exhausted. At a time when all of our peers were taking elaborate vacations or having kids, we were selling pies, having yard sales, and wondering if there would ever be a happy ending to the loneliness we felt in our hearts and home. Our families didn't know how to be supportive and kept us dismissing our fears, which added to the feelings of isolation. We were broken and empty and questioned God tremendously. Did he abandon us? Are we being punished for past mistakes? Were we undeserving in some way? How could God create me with this intense desire to mother and deny me that? <clears throat> we decided to take a break and focus on prayer for God's plan for our future. A month later, a text came through on my phone from a young lady that grew up with my sister. Her name was Ashley. Ashley was pregnant and working with a local agency to make an adoption plan for her expected baby. She asked if we would be interested in parenting her child. We were there through it all, the doctor's appointments, gender ultrasound, and five days in the hospital trying to prevent premature labor. Our son, Owen, was born eight weeks early and spent over a month in NICU. Ashley gave us full parental access to him during the fragile time, and we spent every second that we could with him. I developed severe anxiety during this time. The fear of will he survive and thrive. The fear of will he be ours. The fear of how will Ashley cope through this tremendous loss that brings my heart such joy. I lost 26 pounds, and after 24 days, Ashley left a letter in our mailbox saying she was parenting him and moving out of state. It was completely devastating, and I had never felt more angry with God. I understood her decision to parent, but I just couldn't understand why this child had to be in my arms for 24 long days. What was God's purpose in this? How on earth could he put us through that? I know I didn't deserve this level of heartbreak. I also knew that I couldn't do this on my own. I needed help. Then I felt an odd sense of guilt, like I was relying on God simply because I wanted something. After another year and two more failed attempts at adopting, we were more, than, more lost than ever. I had claimed a verse in Romans as my motto. Romans 12.12 states, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Then on my birthday, we got a call about a boy that was born 15 weeks early, weighing just one pound, 10 ounces, with a long projected NICU stay and an uncertainty of survival and special needs. Strangely, we felt an overwhelming sense of peace. Whether or not he would be our son, we knew we were most prepared to be there for him. 
Our son Brody spent 78 days in NICU and is now a healthy two-and-a-half-year-old firecracker. I can stand here today and tell you with full confidence that if we hadn't been through all we had, we would not have our son. We would have been too scared and not been prepared. Here's some proof of that. There are nearly 60 waiting families with our agency at any given time. Only one other family besides us was willing to parent this boy, and we were the family that had NICU experience and no other children with the ability to focus solely on his needs. For the last four years, I've had the pleasure of using our experience to help others navigating the infertility and adoption journeys by leading a monthly support group. I've seen many people come to lean on their faith and many turn away from it. They quickly lose hope and it's incredibly sad to witness. The reality is we have all had our earthly challenges. We all carry burdens in various forms and I'm sure we all have pled with God and questioned why me. Ashley was also facing a major challenge in her life. Things were so bad that she felt the best thing to do would be for other people to raise her baby. It took an unexpected pregnancy to get her safely away from the abusive relationship and find the man she is happily married to. Owen is now a big brother and being adopted by a stepdad. God is preparing us and using us for his glory. He is asking us to rely on him and never lose faith. I was so focused on our piece of the puzzle that I failed to remember that God sees the big picture. As Pastor mentioned, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Thank you, Jessica. You know, their, their journey has been something that our whole church has gone through. And as you, as you see this little dude, and that's from the first time I saw him, that was exactly what I called him, was our little dude as we went down to Virginia? Huntington, West Virginia. And uh, we were able to spend some time with, with him in the hospital and pray over him, and, and God was able to bless them with a vibrant young man. You see, here's what happened. He's blessed both Jess and Butch with an angel. And sometimes we don't always see the end result of our life. And sometimes we question. And even though maybe her thorn in her flesh was, I could never bear a child. But you see what took place when God says, don't you worry. You take up your bed. You walk in faith. You and Butch give life to a little man who needs love, tenderness, care, nurturing, and mercy. And better yet, your story is going to touch other people. So I I couldn't help but... But before I give my closing thoughts, and we have the altar call, we we leave for the day. You know, when you see a little guy at at this size, you actually wonder and you ask yourself, what will he be like? And for some of you that maybe you've faced some infertility and maybe the difficult moments in your life have have not been as, as joyful as you want them to be, I want you to know that you have enough love to be able to parent and love and overcome an obstacle that is really not an obstacle. It's just your bed. So, if you have that video, I want to I show this. Do you have the video? Nope. Pastor Luke looked at me. If you haven't seen it on Facebook, there's actually a video of him, and he's on his trampoline. Well, one thing about our little dude is that I've watched it probably 15 times. So he jumps on it, As he flips smack right down onto the ground and he gets up like nothing's ever bothered him. You know what I thought that moment when I saw that? And it's why is it we we make our thorns such a huge obstacle? And this little guy didn't let weeks of being in the ICU. NICU unit hold him back 
Because today he tears up that house. And every time I see what he does, it just does something in me. Because our God still answers prayers. And he still always meets our needs. So if you have lost hope, don't worry about it. There's always hope. Are you waiting for God to remove something before you can be happy? Before you can pursue a dream or finish school or be good to somebody? I'm here to tell you this morning, you have what you need. God is not removing it. It's not an accident. If he's not changing what you want changed, there is a reason. You may not be able to see it. It may not make sense to you. But I want you to know, and I'm here to tell you, you can trust. Trust in him. Why? Because God has your best interest at heart. So stand up, grab your mat, and walk in peace. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, today's your beginning. And Jesus told the young man at the pool of Bethesda, forget your sin and walk on. And that's exactly what that 38-year young man did. He left it behind. So if you need to know who Jesus is, come to him today. Let's all stand as we pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for Jess and Butch. And we know that that own was just a piece of the puzzle. And yet, God, even in that situation with Butch and Jess not even getting that baby, Lord, we know that you had to prepare their hearts and their lives for one of the greatest gifts that you gave them, a son that was created for those two. So, Father, thank you for even in our lives for giving us hope and our dark frustrations and our dark moments of life. It's through that that we can encourage others to pick up their mat, to walk and to carry on. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for, for giving me strength when I feel inadequate and insecure. So, Father, for those in the room, strengthen each one. Give them confidence that whatever their thorn is, is not their liability, but their asset. So may they use it to help others. In your holy name we pray. Amen.